It's lightly snowing and minus 18 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 9 o'clock. I'm Erin Foppel. Calgary fire crews are responding to a dangerous house fire in Douglas Glen. Douglas Glen, rather, this morning. Global News' Ryan O'Donnell has more. Calgary Fire Department rushed to the scene after receiving multiple 911 calls at around 4.20 a.m. When crews arrived, they witnessed a massive fire completely engulfing one home and rapidly spreading to one other. Firefighters were forced to evacuate five other houses and shut off gas and power to them. No injuries have been reported, but crews have been unable to investigate the first home destroyed by the fire due to the massive damage. Firefighters have managed to control the blaze and are now preparing an investigation. CFD is requesting that anyone with pictures or information regarding the incident to please contact them. For Global News, I'm Ryan O'Donnell. More news in a moment, but first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. Road conditions not great this morning. You're working through poor lane definition, blowing snow, creating visibility issues, especially out on the highways, and just overall very slippery conditions. We did have a spun-out vehicle northbound Deerfoot at the ramp to 32nd Avenue. That's now clear, but do watch for another spun-out vehicle westbound Glenmore as you exit to northbound 37th Street Southwest near the traffic circle, so extra care at those exit ramps and tight turns. Pearl Vision knows your time is valuable, so they direct bill most insurance plans. Arrange your eye exam at pearlvision.ca or visit any of their neighborhood locations. For the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard. And a look to local weather now. Periods of snow throughout the day today. The temperature steady near minus 18. With the wind chill, it'll feel closer to minus 31. Mainly cloudy tonight with a chance of evening flurries and a low of minus 22. With the wind chill near minus 30. Sunny tomorrow with a high of minus 11. The wind chill though will feel like minus 29 in the morning. Then warm up a bit by minus 18 in the afternoon. Right now in downtown Calgary, it's minus 18 degrees. The city has declared a snow route parking ban that commences on Monday, and that ban will last for 72 hours and begins at noon on Family Day. The city says it has received significant snow, prompting the call. Parking on a snow route will mean a ticket for up to $75, or your vehicle towed away. A pro-pipeline rally in rural Saskatchewan attracted an enthusiastic crowd to hear federal conservative leader Andrew Scheer and two premiers speak on the matter. The leader of the opposition in Ottawa told the group that if he's elected in October, he will pull the plug on the carbon tax and scrap Bill C-69 if it has already been passed. Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe described the bill as a no more pipelines bill and New Brunswick Premier Blaine Higgs said he is keeping his fingers crossed that the now defunct Energy East pipeline can be revived. And some pipeline supporters say a train derailment in western Manitoba highlights the risks involved of moving oil by rail. Canadian National Railway says 37 cars carrying crude left the tracks early Saturday morning, spawning an oil leak which has since been contained. CN says there were no reports of injuries or fires and an environmental team is on scene cleaning up the spill and protecting the environment. Several U.S. organizations have begun legal proceedings against the Trump administration in the wake of U.S. President Donald Trump's national emergency declaration. Trump declared the emergency on Friday in an effort to get funding for a border wall with Mexico. Tara Palmieri is in West Palm Beach with more. Since the president made that decision on Friday, the ACLU, Public Citizen and the state of California filed lawsuits against the administration for an overreach of executive power. On Friday, Trump painted a dark picture of the U.S.-Mexico border as a major entry point for criminals, gang members, and illicit narcotics, and one that threatens core national security interests. Illegal border crossings are down overall from a high of 1.6 million back in 2000. 
And lawyers for Empire actor Jesse Smollett are rejecting reports that he that say he played a role in his own attack, saying anyone who says otherwise is lying. Smollett said he was assaulted by two men who shouted homophobic and racial slurs last month. Yesterday, police say they released the two men questioned in the case without charges, and the investigation has now, quote, shifted. Authorities said they want to ask Smollett some more questions. And taking a look at sports now, Calgary snapped a season-long four-game losing skid with a 5-4 win over the Pittsburgh Penguins yesterday afternoon. Rolik, Austin Zarnik, Travis Ominick, and Sam Bennett all scored in a big second period for the squad. Up next, the Flames welcome Arizona for an afternoon game at the Dome. Puck drop is 2 o'clock on Monday. And a quick turnaround for the Montreal Canadiens who travelled to Florida face the Panthers tonight. The Habs were blanked 3-0 by Tampa Bay Lightning last night. Elsewhere, the Rangers, they visit Pittsburgh, Minnesota, host the Blues. The Flyers take on Detroit and Washington visits the Ducks. It is minus 18 degrees at 9.05. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 9.30. I'm Aaron Foppel. Welcome to Let's Talk Gardening, and uh, it's a little, it's a little blizzardy out there this morning. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a word to describe it, but really, there's only one or two words to uh, to describe what it's like out there. It's a little bit nasty. It's weird looking. It feels like it's about minus fifty out because the wind chill. Then you look at your thermometer when you're driving around. It says only minus sixteen on the truck and stuff, which this it doesn't seem to fit because. Uh, you don't get that the wind chill on your on your vehicle thermometer, but definitely cold out there, and lots of drifting snow. So just be careful out there when you're driving. Lots of cars in the ditches. Um, just be careful when you're getting close to the edge of the roads, things like that, as it uh, it can pull you right into the into the ditch. And so just be very careful out there. And uh, but it's a perfect day to sit and plan and talk about gardening and all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, it's a good time to look through. Uh, Pinterest and all those other fun little sites that we like to look at to dream about summer. Um, we also have a, a great thing on our website. You can look at it. It's called a plant finder. So if you just if you want to type in, you say privacy or I'm looking for a coniferous tree, evergreen. Um, what size you want it and uh, how big this and that. You just type in the dimensions, sort of what you're looking for. It'll spit out all kinds of ideas for you and it'll set it up and you can just add them to your list. You can just go follow through and add to your list and you can print the list out and then when spring comes, you can head out to the garden centers and have a shop around and and pick out what you want. And what's on our list, it's it's a, it's a database. It's not our inventory. It's, it's suggestions. And we try to stock a lot of the stuff that you'll see on there, but most of it we can get in. We try to decipher what's on the, on the database um, to what we have in stock. And, but it all depends on the time of year and, and what's available in the nurseries and things like that. So, and that's always. Most of the time in the beginning of the season, you can get a lot better selection. So if you're coming in mid-May through June, most of the time we can get most things. And when things get a little bit tighter, it's uh, later on in, uh, in August and things like that. It gets a little bit harder to um, find certain species of trees and shrubs. Um, one nasty thing that's going on right now outside is the frost cracking. We're getting the, the temperature fluctuations from really cold, warms up a little bit, and uh, the dry wood. It's mainly hit doing the ash trees. And I know our arborists have been out um, examining trees, and we've been doing a bit of bolting already just 
Because if we don't do anything about it, um, the tree can just flop over, like when it when it thaws out here, and and becomes very vulnerable to funguses and things like that. So it's something you just don't want to leave um, wide open, and uh, otherwise, it, it it can be quite detrimental to some of our trees here in Calgary. So, anyways, like I said, and as it decreases, and that's sort of when we get the. When we had that really cold minus, we were up in the minus 30s for a week. And then when it uh, warms up a little bit, that's when the cracking happens. It's same with, with frozen pipes and things like that. It's, it seems like when it's super cold, we don't get it. It's just when it starts warming up a bit, you get the differential in, in temperatures. And that's where the fluctuation will cause that. So anyway, so keep an eye on that. You can go out and look at uh, if you have any ash trees or certain trees. It's more of the hardwood trees that do get affected by this. Um, some like typically maples, some oaks, ash. Um, you'll see this. So just just have a look outside and uh, and check your check your trees for any kind of damage. As it's something that should be looked at, and uh, typically. Um, it's something that you want to uh, pay attention to and with a certified arborist and uh, our guys on our team have lots of experience in this and uh, I know we had Mark on last week chatting about that and a few different things of what to look for when you're looking outside at your trees and shrubs at this time of year and I, I like to look at uh, at that as well but I also like to look out and sort of see what my yard is missing um, it's a good time just to reflect and you kind of see those empty spots or a privacy issue that you want to deal with. Because unfortunately, eight months of the year, we have a lot less. We don't have leaves and that on our trees and shrubs. So those are the times of the year when you want to create a bit more privacy. And it doesn't always have to be an evergreen. If you put um, like a roster and crab or a gladiator crab, they make great privacy, especially in smaller yards because they're more of a columnar type tree as well. And you get nice white flowers or pink flowers on the gladiator. And whenever I say the word um, crab apple, I always like the look on some of the people's face. They get the the old doggle look on their face. It's the one where they used to drop 5 million of those uh miniature crab apples all over your lawn and it becomes a big mush. A lot of the new varieties, like we sell very few doggles anymore. Most of the varieties that we do carry are more of an ornamental and they don't have the bigger crab apples. We, we still have some of the crab apples, but we try to tend to go to more the bigger crab apples, the actual ones that you can actually eat um, rather than the doggles were, were strictly a jelly. You, you could eat them, obviously, but it's a little bit tougher, so those were more of a jelly, but very, very messy. So I know I get uh, the the look <laughs> when I, whenever I suggest a, a crab apple, but um, to revive the name and, uh, and, and put it back up on a pedestal, the crab apple can still be a, a very beautiful tree in your yard without the mess. And a lot of them, the, the berries stay on the tree, like on the roster, and you get these little yellow berries throughout the winter, and they stay on there, and then the birds come and feed on them all all winter long, which is kind of nice to see when you have that. And it, it looks quite ornamental. You get these nice yellow bright berries almost glowing on your tree. So, And uh, it's also a good time just to look and see any kind of structure you may be missing, maybe a statue, and also lighting. 
Um, this time of year when the lighting really comes into play, we have the shorter days, it's dark still by 6 o'clock. So you're at home, you're looking out in your yard, having dinner, and, and the lighting really makes the difference in your, in your landscape. And, and not so much in, this, in the summertime, unless you're up to 11, sitting around the fire or something like that, then you'll see the lights on. But for the most part, the, the lights do come into play more in the October through to March, April is when you really get the full effect of if you have outdoor lighting. And, it, and it's gorgeous when you have it, just subtle lighting. And uh, like I said, uh, we're always more on the, it's more about the light than more than about the light fixture. Um, there's some gorgeous light fixtures, and if you need that type of uh, application, absolutely, those are out there. But uh, really focus on the light, and uh, you'll usually be much happier, and you're not creating um, too many obstacles in your yard for people knocking over pets, kids, and yourself. And this this nice uplighting usually does the trick, and you end up with some great effects in your backyard. If you'd like to join me, the phone lines are wide open. You can call me at 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And this time of year when we get the deeper snow too, you just, um, if you live in an area where you have deer and things like that, if it warms up a bit, you might want to put another application of Bobex or or tie some wire around your trees, some um, stucco wire or something, just to keep the critters from chewing on the bark. I did notice last night in my area, I moved into the Cranston area, and, and we had a little herd of deer cruising up and down the up and down the road, looking looking for something to chew on. So, uh, which is always kind of cute. You kind of see the the deer going through the the yards, and typically they don't do a ton of damage. Um, unless you get the males and then what they're doing is, um, they have the horns and they just don't want them to, to rut on your trees. And then they just scrape all the bark off, which is no good for your trees and shrubs that kind of cause a lot of damage. And, uh, they love doing it to willows. And if you happen to live a little bit more in the Prittis area and a little bit to the west of Kari, if you happen to be where the elk are, they can come in and just shred a whole spruce tree in no time. Like if they get going on it, it's amazing what they'll do. They'll just, just scrape it right up. And uh, when we're getting this kind of snow, one other little tip is if you get any of the frost cracking or even if you don't, is just get out and, and shake the trees off a bit. If we get a bit more heavy snow, this snow is pretty light right now and not super heavy, but we're getting a good accumulation. It doesn't hurt to give them a little shake off um, just to make sure you don't get too much of a snow buildup on them because this is when the, the cracks, and if you get lots of snow on there, it can just uh, be really detrimental to your trees. So just be careful on that, and uh, and, it'll, and your trees will thank you later on. It's not always the most fun thing to do is getting out in the yard right now and uh, shaking your trees, but uh, have a little bit of fun, and you're always doing some good with that. I'm going to go to the phone lines, and where's my phone? I see it spun around the other way. i got to spin this around. Here we are. And we're going to go. Actually, Mary's on the line already. She's up yeah. and going, hiding high river. <laughs> What's going on, Mary? Oh, not much. You want me to come and find your phone for you? There, I found it. It just it depends on the la- the last uh, host. They have it a certain way, and then you come in. You got to you got to turn everything, adjust everything your way. So it's it's always it's always good though. Yeah. It's anyway, always within what arm's I reach. Wanted to ask you, yep. I have this fifty at least fifty sixty foot yep. uh, big blue spruce here, and at the very top, it is hanging with hundreds of 
large cones. Yeah. Now, does that tell me this spring that I need to give it a good shot of fertilizer? Or um, I, well, it's healthy looking, but, but I'll... It's more, I should do that. Absolutely. I? But what it really needs to is just uh, uh, thorough watering in the spring, Mary. Um, yeah. Just with the soaker hose, leave it on there for a, for a few days, get the water down deep, and then give it a couple of shots of the 30-10-10. Well, my, uh, where, where it is, it's to the west, and it's all sub-irrigated, but it gets lots of rain okay. at, from my uh, eaves trough. Yeah, I, I let that run. Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah, it's and a, if I you wanted, see if you see a lot of pine or, or spruce cones on the on your trees, does it mean um, it's healthy? Well, and typically, or it's stressed out a little bit because it's thinking it needs to reproduce. So typically, in droughts yeah. and, and things like that, you'll yeah. tend to see they'll send out a lot more cones. Oh, they're huge. Yeah, no, and that's just uh, like I said. Birds should eat them, don't they? <laughs> uh, they probably they? they probably pick them apart and get the little seeds inside. Oh, so okay, yeah. And today I want to uh, say a shout-out for uh, Barry Erskine. He passed away. Oh, did he? Yes. Oh, I'm yes. very sorry he to hear that. one of the first garden show guys. Yeah, no, him I and Wade had started to. it way back when, and Wade had started. And actually, yeah. Dave Rutherford was part of that, I know, uh, yeah. way back in the day. Where, what, where were They were in the north, weren't they? Who's that? Uh barriers in his place no actually it's it was where right was across it? the street from where we are right now wow. and he had oh, a little plant right he had a little plant hospital on 17th avenue yeah and uh it was right across it's almost right across the street from where we're at right now on in the course building like where you are downtown yeah no actually yeah, yeah right now we're on 17th avenue you know well, where the Sp- spiro's pizza and yeah spiro's pizza we're right across the street Oh, okay. So we're in a nice brand new building, brand new studios, everything. Oh. But his shop used to be just right across the street almost and way back I in the day. And I bought some trees from him yeah. a long, long time ago. Yeah, no, Barry was very instrumental in a lot yeah. of the gardening things yeah. that went on in the Calgary. So, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. When yeah, did you well, When did you hear that, Mary? I just heard it last night on oh, really? the news. Oh, really? Okay. I really liked him. He was a really, very good man. Yeah, no, we always had lots of good chats. really smart. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right, Mary. Uh, have a good day. Don't go in the ditch. <laughs> I was telling Matt, be careful when you go home. Yeah, no, I'm I, going nowhere. I got my snow tires on my Tundra, and uh, but I'm definitely you got to be. And I'm trying to teach my kids, and uh, they're they're driving, and my daughter has a Jeep, and we put winter tires on it, and she uh, just it's easy to get going fast, especially with the snow tires. But you got to stop, so you just remember that you got to slow down. So, <laughs> well, you you know where nowhere is. It's from the end of the cat's bum to the end of the cat's tail. That's nowhere. <laughs> <All right. laughs> we'll leave it that. That's an Irish expression. All right, well, we'll leave it at that. Nice. All right. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Bye, Mary. Bye. <laughs> always interesting um, to end the calls with Mary. It's always lots of fun and different things that uh, get said. So, anyways, we need to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, where we have all your indoor and outdoor gardening needs. Gardening <laughs> needs. Uh, gotta, gotta unthaw. Spruce it up, plant it up, prune it up. We got you covered. There you go.
Good thing I, I don't have to pay myself to do my commercials. Otherwise, <laughs> I might be looking for somebody new. If you'd like to uh, give me a shout, um, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And that is the talk and text line, so you can send any pictures. If you have any um, cracks in your trees or pictures in the backyard you want me to have a look at, uh, you can text them to that number. That's 403-974-8255. Or you're from out of town, 1-800-563-7770. And I know right now the the houseplant craze has been going on, and uh, and uh, we're really trying to work with that um, trend in gardening. And I think it's it's just the beginning of a lot of the trend of, of people um, starting to do a bit more at home with plants and bringing life back into our homes and things like that because... Um, like I said, on the internet and different things, it, it gets pretty cold and, and just sitting in a room with your with your screen and things like that. So it, it is good to see the plants and all the young people coming in and I, and definitely the demographic. I see that um, in the garden centers on the weekend. Um, yesterday, popped into the store for a little bit. Young families going through there, picking out plants and doing things and planting them up. And they're asking about cleaning the air and this and that. So a lot of the plants do that for us. They help with the air and, and clean it out. Because a lot of the homes are so tight nowadays that um, it, it, it nothing can go in or out. So it, definitely the plants help create some filter, help create some good air, take away the carbon dioxide. Maybe we could apply for a carbon tax credit if uh, if you buy so many plants in your house. Maybe uh, old JT will uh, will afford us uh, a little bit of a rebate on your plants. We'll have to look into that. Maybe we'll have to text them and see what uh, old Justy Trudeau thinks about that or or Notley. But uh, hopefully they won't be around too much longer and we can move on into uh, greener pastures. Anyways. And I got a text from Marianne. Good morning. We live west of Calgary and have noticed some evergreens turning brown at the top. We wonder if that could be white pine weevil. Um, Marianne, typically on the big spruce, if they're turning brown, you'll see it curling over and you'll see it early in the spring. If you could take a picture of that and just text it to that same number, I'll be able to tell you. Um... Like I said, it's pretty evident, and a lot of times on the big trees, you don't see a lot of weevil um, on those. They typically hit in the 6 to 10 to 12-foot range trees because they do crawl up from the bottom um, from the ground, and they crawl up into the up the trunk of the tree, and they get into when the growth is new, fresh in the springtime, and they they get in and eat the center of the tree of the tr- of the leader and then just eat it out from the inside out. So that's what, uh, if you get me a picture, I could definitely see what I can do for that. But I don't think it's weevil on those big, large trees. It's probably um, just lack of moisture, a little bit um, browning on the top. But would love to, love to have a picture if you could send that to me. And Pat sent me a text here. Bought my house in 2002. First thing I did before moving in were take out the wall dividing the living room and added windows for more light. Absolutely. Get the light in, and that's how a lot of the new homes, I know my new home is like that. Um, Floor-to-ceiling windows, it's nice, nice and bright. Can't wait to get some plants in there. As soon as it warms up, I'm going to do some transplanting of some tropicals and uh, and get them into the house. And uh, cause I just think uh, uh, the, my past house wasn't great for 
for for plants. So definitely want to have lots of nice new plants in the new one and uh, freshen it up and uh, enjoy that nice fresh look. And uh, and and the designers have really helped with that on the a lot of the trends on Instagram and things like that. And a lot of the young guys and gals doing that. Um, one thing I'm amazed is the colors of the of the pots. A lot of white, and I, I was never a big fan of white pots per se. But man, it looks good. You group them together. You sort of, if you do a grouping of black pots or a grouping of white pots, blue pots or red pots in groups, like five to seven, things like that. Man, it looks good. Like it just uh, gives you a nice little clean cluster of plants in a certain area and certain shelves. And anyways, a couple of the guys I know like. Jesse here in town has the plant filled apartment on Instagram and he, he has all white. And I know a lot of people have gone for that look and uh, I know we have a hard time keeping the, the white pots in stock. So anyways, where are we at? Oh, we got to go for time. I wasn't paying attention. Sorry, Matt. All right. We got to take a break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Hey, it's lightly snowing and minus 18 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 930. I'm Erin Foppel. Emergency officials in Calgary say a house in the city's southeast was destroyed in an early morning fire that may have been caused by an explosion. Fire services spokeswoman Carol Hankey says more than 25 people called 911 to report hearing a loud bang at approximately 420. Several other homes suffered less serious damage, including melting siding and blown out windows. Canadian National Railway says a leak from a derailed train carrying oil in western Manitoba has been contained. 37 cars carrying crude left the track Saturday morning just east of the Saskatchewan-Manitoba boundary. It's unclear how much oil spilled, but officials say none of the oil got into the nearby river. Some pipeline supporters say the incident highlights the risks involved in moving oil by rail. And the U.S.-backed Syrian militia fighting the Islamic State group in its final ever-shrinking pocket says the militants have won over 1,000 civilians trapped. A spokesman for the Kurdish-led Syrian Democratic Forces told the Associated Press today that ISIL has closed all the roads in and out. They add that the huddled extremists may include high-level commanders and they could be holding hostages among those trapped inside. Look to our local weather. Now we can expect more of the white stuff today. Temperature steady near minus 18 with a wind chill. It'll feel closer to minus 31. Mainly cloudy overnight with a slight chance of evening flurries. A low of minus 22 with a wind chill near minus 30. And tomorrow, sunny with a high of minus 11. But the wind chill in the morning will feel like minus 29. And in the afternoon, minus 18. It is minus 18 degrees. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 10. I'm Aaron Foppel. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coons. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And those are the talk and text lines. So if you'd like to text in, we've got a text that says, Hi, Merle, I'm wondering, I'm wanting to purchase some non-invasive bamboo. More privacy. Do you know of any hardy species um, living high river? Um there, there's definitely um, varieties that will grow here, but to be honest, to get it to the point where it's going to give you um, privacy, uh, I probably wouldn't uh, really recommend it for that. I would use that as an accent plant in front of it. You could definitely go like with the Diablo 9 bark. Um, that'll get you that six, seven feet high. And then because with the purple color, 
And then if you put the bamboo in front of it, um, there's one called the wall. There's a couple other varieties um, that are hard to hear. You just we don't have the season long enough to get the privacy out of the bamboo. It takes quite a while. So, like I said, if it's something you're looking for, for like for privacy, it's it's not one that will will come to fruition re- really for you for quite a while, and if ever, to be honest. So, but there's lots of varieties, and he said you can still create that um, with a mixture of columnar aspens, Diablo nine bark, or gladiator crab with the with the Diablos, and you could still put those in front of it just to give that that look. What really looks good is bamboo and hydrangeas in front of a in front of a crimson wall in front of a a wall made of nine barks and things like that because it just really makes those other ones pop out. And the calorie boxwood, things like that. So you can sort of create that Vancouver, BC garden in front of those type of things. But we just need to background it, get the privacy out of the hardy varieties that grow here, and then go into some of the lesser hardy varieties. And just that we don't get the growth, but you get that nice, um, really nice foliage look off the hydrangeas, the cowrie boxwood, and some of the other perennials and things like that. So lots of alternatives that you can do for that, And uh, but give that a try. And and here we go. We got Marianne's text in. Thanks. It is the smaller ones that we planted about eight years ago. They were curling at the top. We cut them off. Yeah. And is there anything else we could do? Really, that's about it. You can, we are doing injections this year. Um, you can call our printed up team and, and Mark would be more than happy to come out. We can give you a quote on doing some injection on the weevil. Um, basically, the one biggest thing people make the mistake is when they cut off the top of the spruce tree after you have weevil is not going down deep enough. You'll see where there's holes in it. You have to go down below so you don't see any more holes So because that's where they've burrowed into the, the trunk of the center of the tree. And like I said, they eat it from the inside out. So basically, when you do that, when you're cutting off top, is just make sure you go down deep enough um, to remove any of those holes. And we, we can definitely do some injection for that this spring, if you like. So Marianne, more than happy to... Uh, and you can either email or call prune it up and uh, we'd be more than happy to to give you a hand and uh, give you a quote on that and see what we can do weevil and there used to be a over the counter cuz i know there's a few weevil that also go after the the blue fox willow and uh and it's a kind of a nasty when you you have your willow sitting there in your backyard and it looks this beautiful it's all totally alive and all of a sudden the next day it just flops over and you'll see a whole bunch of sawdust at the bottom of the of the shrub and what it is is those little maggots the little weevils have got into the into the base of the of the willow tree and just they ate it out right from the bottom right hollowed the whole thing out and just flops over and uh so same thing, they've they've taken away any of the systemics that we can use on a retail end, but definitely you can call our, our arborist team and we'd be more than happy to look after that for you. And we're going to be doing the full fertilization and any of the systemic treatments as well this coming spring. So looking forward to adding those um, features to our pruned up. It's, again, just trying to grow our business a little bit uh, at a time and uh, just... And there's lots of good locally owned um, arborists out here in, in the Calgary area. So um, just make sure if you do call someone, 
stay away. I got a call from one of my past customers, and, and this one was a little bit frustrating. And uh, we'd worked so hard to work with the customer. We did all the landscape, and we saved this elm tree that was like 50 feet high and went through the whole process of the home build. Got the, we fenced it off, protected it from the whole thing. And uh, lo and behold, the, the home handyman told them that he knew what he was doing to do the pruning. And so we showed up after and uh, and took it, went by and I seen him the other day and he, Merle, you need to come have a look at this tree. It's not looking so good. So I went and looked. And, and it was done so badly that we, it can't be saved now. So really it's something that the improper pruning can be really detrimental to a tree if it's not done properly. So um, unfortunately it's going to really be a removal now and replant and start fresh. But it was just a bit frustrating because I know what the homeowner and what we went through to to salvage that tree through the whole building process and uh, and to see it end like that was just a little bit frustrating. And at times of this, when the economy goes down a bit, unfortunately our business, landscaping, pruning, um, everybody with a pickup truck, and a ladder and a saw becomes an arborist. And uh, so really just be careful. Um, trees do not grow back that quick. And even if you're dealing with an arborist, make sure that they have the proper insurance and the proper licenses and all that kind of fun stuff in your when they're coming onto your property. Because actually if, if anything happens to your home and they're not insured, really you become liable for that. So... Anyways, I know we keep up to date. We even have, if we have to call somebody else in on top of our team, we have extra insurance to cover cover those guys as well. So, because um, there's certain areas that we need to bring in help, and we do that, but we also have the coverage to make sure that you are not at risk on any of those kind of projects. So, anyways, we need some callers, you guys. You guys need to get up and give me a shout and see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit slow. I know everyone's cuddled up in the, underneath the covers still. 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to me on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, Emerald Coombs. And if you'd like to join me, actually good to see some people up calling. Awesome. 403-974-8255. Going to go to the phone lines right now. We're going to go to Gordon. Good morning, Gordon. Good morning, Merle. How, How are, are you doing? Good, good, good. And yourself? Grand. Uh, quick question. Yes, sir. Um, I have my succulents. Uh, they're doing uh, beautifully right now. Yep. In spite of the beautiful weather outside. <laughs> yeah, it's a little nasty. I am just wondering, uh, because I just looked at the one pot that uh, I have my perennials in. Uh, it looks like the soil has retreated a touch. And then I'm just wondering, uh, should I reef, uh, use uh, new soil and just top it up or just leave it as is? Whenever I do transplanting, typically I pull it out of the pot and I try to I rub my hands over and just knock off some of the excess and just expose some of the roots and then put it into new soil. Just take it all out and then redo it again, okay? Yeah, and you'll, you'll be able to save a little bit, put that on the very bottom just for, for drainage because usually the coarser stuff falls off. Yeah. Put that bottom, but then surround all the top stuff with all new soil. Okay. It just makes a lot of difference. All right. 
already. It's, and they're getting real close. It's a good time of year now. The, by the time it adjusts, gets the roots going again, the light is getting longer. Um, days are getting longer, so you're good to go. All righty. All right. Okay. Thanks, Gordon. All righty. Take care, man. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, here we go. We're going to go to Margo. Good morning, Margo. Yes, I've got, uh, after a reno, I've got LED lights under the kitchen counter. Yep. So my Superstore basil has been sitting under there, and it's doing really well. Yep. So is that enough light for a plant? Um, It, it, it probably, how long has it been underneath there? Oh, well, off and on here for a couple of weeks. Okay. I think, I'm not sure if the light, because really an LED light, if it doesn't have the grow light properties, it really isn't going to be doing a whole lot. A lot? Yeah. Okay. So it's probably getting the other light just from the house is yep. probably enough to keep it rolling. Um, basil typically doesn't need full, full sun. Um, so if it, as long as it's a bright room, they'll do quite well for you. But it, okay. it definitely doesn't hurt it being underneath the LED light like that. So by all means... Yeah, just when when there's sun on, you know, in yeah. a certain spot, I can move it there briefly. But yeah, great. Uh, a, there's house finches on the bird feeder right now. They're just like having apples in the tree. It's great. Oh wow! And the other thing is, so now we could start transplanting our plants because we're bored silly. Yeah, absolutely. Now's a good time because we're we're heading into we're mid Feb. We're getting into March. The days are getting longer. Um, it gives it time to adjust. Um, the root system, all that kind of fun stuff, and then the upper growth. So right, right now is a great time to start transplanting your plants. Excellent. Okay, thank you. Plus, we need something to do. Oh, I know. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all not right. going outside. <laughs> no, it is cold. There's not a lot you can really do, right? You can out, look out, examine your trees, look for dead disease damage, any of the frost Watching cracks. The <laughs> yep. And actually, absolutely, bird feed. I, and I know a lot of people are coming in and picking up bird feed for the... Because when you get more and more snow like this, it covers up all that much more resources yeah. for our little birds. So definitely look at feeding the birds at this time of year. They need it. No, they do. They Absolutely. Do. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Margo. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. I'm going to go to Pat. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. My question for you this morning is, I have a corner of my backyard I don't seem to be able to grow a whole lot in. There's a large reproductive cherry shrub right beside it. It's fenced on the north and west side so yep. it's daylight i'm wondering if i could put a columnar apple tree in there and if i could how much do i have to worry about suckering out into my vegetable garden because it's at the end of my vegetable yeah. garden are you looking for a, an edible apple or just more of a ornamental apple to get the flowers and then the ornamental berries and stuff for the birds no definitely an eating apple um this there's not a lot of the there is some smaller column, like apple trees, but a lot of that is done by pruning. Like the, as a per se, um, if you're looking for an actual eating apple, there's not a lot in the columnar variety because typically they grow more outwards. Okay. Because um, if you get the weight on a branch that's going right up and it becomes full of apples, it they they tend to get busted off. You know what I mean? Because you get all the weight of a, an actual apple on there. 
Okay. Yeah. So typically you, you try to you prune in a more of a horizontal fashion, but they can be um, contained. Some of the other fruit that you might want to look at is the ornamental or the edible sour cherries. Like there's some really good cherry uh-huh. trees that are smaller and this look fabulous and you get nice flowers and then you get the edible fruit on there. Yes, I have two cherry trees. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking for something a little bit different. I'm looking for apples. Yeah, yeah. Uh, If you're looking for more upright, I would probably go a pear, or like I said, if you do do the apples, it's just a matter of keeping them pruned a bit more so they don't get too wide on you, and and they don't mind that because that sort of keeps them contained, and and then if you go to an orchard, they're contained by pruning in that. So. Okay. And do I have to worry about suckering out into nope. my garden? No, no, no. no. Most apples, as long as they're planted properly, you're not going to get any suckering or anything like that. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. And we have lots of great varieties um, coming in this spring. So the, the edibles have really been a really growing category. So okay. we, we have focused uh, quite a bit on that type of stuff. Oh, excellent. Thank Alrighty. you. Alrighty. Thank okay. you. Thanks, Pat. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And uh got lots of callers now, which is great. But we still have some spots open if you'd like to join us. And I see they're filling up just as quick. So just that uh, reminder everyone that uh, it's okay to get up and on a cool Sunday morning and give us a shout here. And I got a few texts. Um, where am I at here? I'm just going to get rid of that one. And Merle, could you please tell me again how to treat your amaryllis bulb? And so a lot of people have had the amaryllis and it's just finished blooming. So really you want to cut off the long stalk that had the bloom on the end. That can be cut off when it's done blooming. But now you just want to treat it like a house plant and you can feed it 15, 30, 15. You want to build up. What you're really doing is restoring the energy back into the bulb. So that way next fall, if when you want to rebloom, it'll have the energy to produce that. So feed it with a 15, 30, 15 and you can grow it for eight to 12 weeks but then just just let it die off. Just after about 10, 12 weeks, stop watering. Just let it die off. All the brand, all the leaves will die up and crisp up. And then just let it dry out for a week or so. Um, after that, cut off all the dead leaves once they're totally dead. Because you want to leave the leaves on there. You want that energy to go back into the blo- into the bulb. And then just store it in a cool, dark place for 8 to 12 weeks after that. And you're ready to go next. Uh, you can bring it up in November, and away you go. So that's sort of, um, I've had good luck doing it that way. So by all means, uh, do it there, and you should be good to go. Okay, I'm going to go to Julianne, I believe. Good morning. Good morning. Is, it's is Jelaine. That, Jelaine. Hi, Jelaine. Hi. Sorry about that. That's all right. Um Sorry, I missed, or I just got the tail end of your uh, call earlier this morning about crab apples. Yeah. Um, I spotted an absolutely stunning tree this fall in somebody's backyard. Yeah. It had little dark, dark orange uh, berries about the size of a cherry. Only. Yeah, that would be either a Siberian crab or the Ross thern. They're, they're somewhat upright. 
Yes. Yeah, it's a gorgeous tree. Um, love using them in a lot of the new landscapes that we do with some of the smaller yards. And they really work to anchor a lot of the newer homes where they're quite tall. They um, are tall. Yeah, yes. these these trees are they're they're great. Like the either Siberian crab or the Rostern, they're sort of basically the same tree, just two different, slightly different varieties. But those are the two that we get in. You get really nice white, pure white flowers before that comes out. So when they bloom, they just look like a tower of white flowers. Very gorgeous, quite it hardy. Looks, it looks like a string of lights on them in the fall. Absolutely. Absolutely stunning. Yep. And then you don't so, get the mess. So that's what I was trying to get across because sometimes when I'm when we're doing a landscape consult and I mention a crab apple, I just get the horror look of, oh, no, I'm not going to clean up that big mushy mess. And oh. and you don't get that with those trees because most time the birds, they stay on there all winter and the birds eat them off and they're just, they're, they're a great tree. So Okay. So that was Siberian crab or? Or a Rosthern, R-O-S-T-H-E-R-N. Okay. Thank you very yeah, much. And we, we always have those. There's another one. Um, it's a it's a type of pear as well, pyramid pear, something like that, and it, it's another great one. So pyramid pear. pear. Yep. Okay. All Thank right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank bye you. Bye bye. Yeah, there's some great um, trees that they they we've been working on with our nurseries over the last ten years that we've really brought into um, getting away from the big wide trees, getting them a little bit more calmer so they fit into our into our landscapes. Um, with some of the smaller houses, but also in a lot of the newer homes and the larger homes where existing landscape where you still have those big mature trees in the backyard and you just need to add some accents in the front. That's where those crab apples make a big, big difference. All right, going to go to Jennifer. Good morning, Jennifer. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Good, how can I help you? Well, I know I'm getting ahead of myself a bit on thinking of planting my carrots and beets (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <this year. laughs> but um, I've been b- planting carrots and beets for years, yep. and last year for the first time, um, I had very hairy carrots and beets, mm-hmm. and I did a couple things different, and I'm hoping that you can help me narrow down what okay. maybe I did. For the first time, I used heritage seeds for carrots and beets. And the other thing that I did uh, different was um, I had heard that if you don't dig up your soil in the springtime and and, um, and sow your seeds directly into sort of the winterized flattened soil, that you'll not get as many weeds, which I found. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really cut down on the weeds. But, um, oh, and every year I... I add some of my own homemade compost to my soil. Not yep. a lot, but last year I would have sprinkled it sort of on top and, and evened it out and then sowed and planted my seeds. Yeah, and I, I would think that is probably a little bit of the problem there is because oh. you're seeding right into straight compost then, mm. almost. So, And it'd be at the seed germination that yeah. would determine whether or not it, I it have... It is just not there because it's, then it's so much energy right at the point of germination. Ah. So I, I still like to turn over the soil in the spring. I like to leave it over the wintertime. Like I like to clump it up over the winter so that way the cold can get in there, especially when we have cold like this. Mm-hmm. gets in there and kills a lot of the nasty stuff but lets it air out. And it just makes gardening that much easier when you work the soil a little bit. But adding your compost is a great thing, but especially 
when you're turning it over a little bit because it needs to get mixed in. Otherwise, you get too much of a good thing. I understand. Yeah. So I think you, you answered it probably when you were saying it out loud. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I didn't, I didn't have an appreciation if it was at the seed germination. Yeah, and that's that when it all starts because okay. it, there's nothing for it. It's not going to force itself down, right? So it's just sending all that root energy right there. Mm. So I, well. I, I would definitely work your soil like you had done in the past, mix in your compost, and, and and not too much. And I love when you said that. You go, not a lot, because some sometimes we, we kill our stuff with kindness. Right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. I need to take a break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's lightly snowing and minus 18 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Erin Foppel. First responders are at the scene of a house fire in the southeast Calgary community of Douglas Glen. This, the incident occurred in the 300 block of Douglas Glen Close southeast. Fire officials said they received roughly 20 calls to 911 at around 4.20 this morning, with many reporting a loud bang. When crews arrived, they found a home fully engulfed in fire with the flames spreading to a second home. Five homes were evacuated in all. No injuries have been reported yet. However, crews have yet to search the first home due to the degree of damage it sustained. Crews shut off power and gas to the affected homes. A second alarm was called to the scene due to the damage and the need to change out crews because of the cold weather. One neighbor said he heard a loud explosion that shook his house almost a block away. The city has declared a snow route parking ban that commences on Monday. The ban will last for 72 hours and begins at noon on Family Day. Parking on a snow route will mean a ticket for up to $75 or your vehicle towed. Alberta United Conservative leader Jason Kenney says if his party wins power in the upcoming election, it will retool the province's education system to make it more practical and adaptable in the modern age. He made the comment in a speech on Saturday. We will reform our education system to offer more practical, experiential and apprenticeship learning uh, for, for everything from computer coding to the trades so that we have a workforce that is ready for the future. Premier Rachel Notley's government is currently updating the curriculum for kindergarten to grade 12. Kenny says the UCP would scrap any parts of the review that stray too far from the basics or include NDP ideology. A top advisor to U.S. President Donald Trump is indicating that Trump is preparing to issue the first veto of his term if Congress votes to disapprove of his declaration of a national emergency along the U.S.-Mexico border. Trump declared the emergency on Friday in an effort to go around Congress to fund his border wall with Mexico. White House senior advisor Stephen Miller says Trump's declaration is constitutional. Congress in 1976 passed the National Emergencies Act and gave the president the authority as a result of that to invoke a national emergency in many different circumstances, but among them for the use of military construction funds. California's Attorney General Xavier Becerra said his state would sue him imminently to block the order. And William Shatner is trying his hand at singing again. This time, the 87-year-old Canadian actor is aiming for a different music audience. You heard him sing the Beatles. A girl with kaleidoscope and Queen, is this the real life? Now Bill Shatner's gone country. Be me up, be 
Sign me up. And keep them coming. The man who played Captain Kirk sang at the Grand Old Opry from his new album with Jeff Cook of the band Alabama. It's called Why Not Me. Queen might not have appreciated his Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm easy come. but Shatner's fans may enjoy Country Kirk. Beam me up. And keep them coming. Andy Field, ABC News. To drown out the pain. And a quick look to sports. The Flames, they held on to the 5-4 win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. A strong second period with four goals was key. Up next, the Flames welcome Arizona for an afternoon game at the Dome. Puck drop is 2 o'clock. Periods of snow today, a high of only minus 18. The wind chill near minus 31. Mainly cloudy with a chance of flurries this evening. A low of minus 2. Wind chill near minus 30. Tomorrow's sun, a high of minus 11. But a cold wind chill will make it feel like minus 18 in the afternoon. It is minus 18 degrees at 10.04. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 10.30. I'm Aaron Foppel. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And I'm Merle Coombs. And nice to see lots of callers in. So I'll keep you posted of when they open up. So thank you so much. It's good to... Uh, Get us all chatting, and hopefully if we chat enough, all our hot air will warm it up a bit out there. And uh, got a couple of texts from from fellow arborists and how how it should be National Arborist Day. So give your give your arborist a hug. Um, he was saying within with his twenty four years experience and mad skills, he's never seen such a horrible winter streak. Hug an arborist day. <laughs> so if you have your arborist out there. Go outside, give them a little hug and say, he or she, give them a hug. But make sure their saw isn't in front of it or anything like that. So safety first before you hug an arborist. So anyways, if our if our, harbor, if our if our team are getting hugs next week, we know why. All right, let's go to Claudia. Good morning, Claudia. Hi there, how are you? Good, good. I thought I'd call in because you were bored, but it sounds like you're not anymore. No, it, it, but that's, that's the best part. I, I said, um, Matt, he had an intern, uh, a student working with him this morning in the studio from Sate, and it was pretty quiet on there, and he goes, well, it's pretty quiet, nothing's going on. Matt says to him, just wait. Once one goes and all of a sudden the board lights up. So um, I'm fairly fortunate. It's nice that... Uh, our team of uh, Let's Talk Gardening listeners are out there, and uh, and once we open the floodgates, they always keep me keep me going, which is great. So, right. how can we help you? Well, I I have a, a question about geraniums that I was going to ask for a long time, but okay. um, I've uh, propagated them for many many years. Yeah. Uh, you know, kept them over winter and yeah. taken the slips and stuff. And so, two years ago, I I saw my geraniums were looking a little sad. I mean, they were, the leaves were turning brown and dropping off and yeah. they just didn't look good. And so I, I took the best ones that I could find in and I wintered them and I took slips off them and they looked really good and I planted them and the same thing happened all over again. The leaves dropped off and... and Are they, they kind of rotting a bit? No, they're not okay. rotting. They go really crispy dry. Huh. So, I don't think I think is maybe you've changed the fertilizer no. or some burning the burning the roots a bit. No, I, okay. I'm I'm thinking it's maybe a fungus or that could definitely be because there there is a botrytis that gets into um, natria is a great biofungicide when you're doing that with your cuttings mm-hmm. and also evolve um, the one evolve fertilizer have the seedling and uh, cutting starter mm-hmm. it puts a wall on it it works like that old no damp. 
that we used to be able to get that we yeah. can't get anymore. Right. It's called seedling fertilizer, and it's it works really, really well like the old no-damp. Mm-hmm. But and I guess my, my question is, like, I... But they're older when they do this, right? Not just right at the beginning? Um, well, yeah, they, they get a month into the season or so. Okay, yeah, it, it's definitely, you're getting a fungus in there. Yeah, I figured so. Yeah, absolutely. And then I, I threw everything out. I, you know, I toasted everything, all the soil and everything. And I didn't grow geraniums last year because I figured, okay. And then I bought um, I bought some uh, plants, hanger plants from, from you guys last yeah. year. And there were a couple of geranium plants in there. Yeah. And so I kept them, and I pulled them out, and I potted them, and yep. kept them in the house. And I still see, the, you know, the, well, maybe I'm being paranoid because I'm seeing the brown leaves again, which it should be not unusual in the winter when they're trying to. Absolutely. You're going to get some of that yeah. going into the winter because they, they struggle for light and things like that. So yeah. what I would do right now is cut it back. Take a third off the top right now. Yeah, I don't think I can. They're not. Not, not enough there? No. But typically, I do that a lot of times. Even if there's no leaves left on it, I just take a third off the top because then that'll encourage a whole bunch of new growth. But this fertilized like with a 15, 30, 15. You want some with a higher middle number? Yeah, which I've been doing. And pull so, off any of the blooms. Like if it does send out blooms, pull them off. I wish they had. They yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, okay, so I've got the hardwood, right? Yeah. And the little sprouts are coming up from the hardwood. But the sprouts don't look healthy enough to take off and restart yet like they don't look yeah, they're not quite big enough no yeah. well they're tall but they're not they're spindly yeah you, so you might as long as you have two or three nodes on there like two of the three little branch brackets or leaf brackets um right. you should be okay but do you know when they when they grow sometimes they don't do a node yeah so yeah if they get just one long st- yeah yeah so, so th- those won't those no won't pro- you know you need the nodes that's where they send the roots out yeah Okay, well, I'll keep trying. I thought you couldn't kill a geranium. Yeah, you can, though, but light is important, and, and you're transplanting them into new soil and that when you bring oh, them yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, just try and get them in a little bit more light. And uh, Well, right now I've got them in an east window, and they're... That's I mean, probably that's a, a little bit dark for them, too, so if you yeah, get... that's the only place they can go. Okay. A um, nice thing is uh, we have a lot of the grow lights that you can just even put into your regular house bulb, like they just screw right. in, right. and you can get a light over top, even just out of your regular lamp and things like that. You can get good light for your plants. Mm-hmm. All righty? Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, thanks, Claudia. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, let's go to Leslie. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Merle. How are you doing today? Good. You were sounding a little lonely there for a little while. Yeah, no, it's nice to (laughs) see everybody get up and and give me a hand. I appreciate it. (laughs) Um, Question that I have, though. um, One of the um, houseplant YouTubers that I follow um, mixes worm castings into her Yep. Um, house plants well. Absolutely. We have it actually mixed into a couple of our blends as well that you can buy. Oh, awesome. So, And so- we've had it like for a hundred years. There's this old one that we used to bring in. It's called Pamper Your Plant. Um, it was on Medicine Hat. And uh, but we we actually have it in, in in a couple of our new ones as well. So okay. And do you have like um, are they just in huge bags or nope. do you have sort of smaller more manageable- bags as well? Yep. That's great. I will come down to your store. One one other quick question though. Mm-hmm. I picked up a helleborus. Yep. The other day at the local garden center. Yeah. Um, do you can I grow this as a house plant? Um. You can, but they're not really. They they go dormant. Like they're a perennial more in Vancouver. There's a couple varieties here. 
And actually, it's funny, Zoe and I were just talking about that. She's our, our, our buyer for the store, her and I working on, on bringing stuff in. And a lot of the suppliers, um, they grow those. And there's there's maybe one or two hardy varieties that will grow for us. Um, but they're just one that they're nice, but they're just, I would use them as a seasonal plant. Like right. you bring them in, enjoy them. And then, then they're done, kind of thing. Like they, they they won't stay nice as a house plant. How long do they? How long? Because it's covered in flowers yep. right now. You'll get um, eight, ten weeks out of it, okay. or more. Like which isn't bad, depending on what you paid for it. Yeah, well, I paid about twenty bucks for it. Yeah, so, so it depends on what variety. It might be one that's a hardy variety, but it's a little early for them to be bringing them in. Um, they probably brought them in as a seasonal plant, I'm assuming. Yeah, and it didn't have a tag, so I don't know what variety. It's just got kind of a lime green whitish flowers on it. Okay, yeah. So I don't know, but I thought, well, I mean, for that price, I could plant it out probably too, right, in the yeah, spring? Yeah, you can definitely can. Um, they they can take a little bit of frost, but like I said, there's only two or three varieties that are hardy here, and they need to be in a bit of a shelter location. Okay, all right. All right. Great. Thank you very much. You're Mark. very welcome. Thank Have you. Day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. I'm at, I'll go to Dale. Good morning, Dale. Uh, thank you. Thank you for calling. How can I help you? I've, uh, I've heard you mention uh, transplanting plants. Yes. I, I've heard people walk around saying, well, a plant is happy. Don't move it. Don't touch it. Don't do anything. Um, do, they said they go into a state of shock and they'll die. No. Um, if, a, if a plant's healthy and it's used up all its nourishments and then it's, it's in too small of a pot, like it needs to be able to grow because typically if it's in the, in the ground, it can discontinue sending its roots out, right? But if it's in a pot, once it runs out, that's when it starts dwindling in health because there's nothing left for it, right? It starts struggling and it'll, it starts shutting down as well. If it gets too root-bound, there's just nothing left and then it shuts down its upper part. So. It could even sound like if you move it from one room to another. That there's certain ones that don't like it. Yeah, if you have the like the figs, the Benjamina fig tree, things that if they get draft or move, some of them they they don't like it. Yeah, they can uh, definitely be uh, a little bit temperamental. But most of them, if you if you as long as they're not near heat vents or excessive of anything, or if you move them from a dark place to full sun, things like that, you'll be fine. Uh, but definitely. Plants need to get transplanted, and if you're putting them into nice soil, they will reward you. They won't go into shock. Um, they'll reward you with this nice new growth. Um, fertilize program sort of once a month on most of your house plants, and they will, again, they'll reward you with nice new growth and continue to, to flourish for you. So a plant can be happy or sad. Absolutely. <laughs> Just like us. <laughs> okay, stay but, inside. Yeah, just, yeah. And the, and the thing, like, just... Pay attention to what type of plants you're getting for what light you have in your home because there's lots of low-light plants. There's lots of bright-light plants. How much height you got. And I think that's part of the craze we're going to see in a couple years when um, on some of the the younger people buying these large philodendrons and things like that, they don't realize how big a plant they're going to have. And now they're going to have to deal with um, cutting them back and a lot of different stuff. So. There was uh, one woman you had uh, call in last week. She, she had an orange tree. Absolutely, yeah, Kalamondon orange, Kalamond, 
coming in. You just buy an orange out of the grocery store, and <laughs> you, you put it in some dirt, and it'll grow. Well, the seed you can grow the the lemon seeds or the or the orange seeds. You got to pull them apart, pull them out of the orange, let them dry a little bit, and then you get it. It's better if you pull that first crust of off the seed. The seed's actually inside the the other part. Oh. So, but you can definitely do that. Oh, well, okay. All right. Yeah, thank you no, very much. And we have the lemons, citrus, we have lemons, limes, and uh, the oranges in stock right now. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Stay inside. Yes. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. And where I'm at for time, I'm going to read a couple texts. And I actually, I will, uh, Brett has just sent in another reminder, and I really appreciate when our fellow arborists send in um, their thoughts and uh, little tips as well. And the bylaw, there is a city bylaw regarding tree pruning for your elm trees. We only have until the end of March um, that you can uh, prune your, your uh, from October to March that we're allowed to prune our elm trees, I believe. And so you make, want to make sure you get those done. Um, with your certified arborist, and that's just uh, to help prevent the Dutch elm disease getting in there. Because we we do have a gorgeous, gorgeous canopy of elms in certain parts of the city. Unfortunately, I'm seeing them because a lot of them have become, um, there's a lot of av- availability of elms in some of these bigger trees, so they become some sometimes less expensive, and I see them being put into the wrong spot, especially by new home builders. Um, a couple of them, I was driving down 17th Ave and some of the infills, and they've squeezed in elm trees like 10 feet apart and right up against the house. It, it's just, it's really unfortunate because the tree's going to grow nice and just really get to the point where it's looking good, and they're going to have to be taken out. So, again... Um, if you're looking at building a new home, get the proper advice. Go, go talk to an arbor, come out to the tree lot, talk to our team in the tree lot, and, and get the right tree for the right spot. And for you, if you're any builders out there, you're looking at getting into that, make sure you get the right person to deal with. Don't always just go with the price because, uh, like I said, some of the trees, when they become more available because they're not being used as much, the price will drop because supply and demand. But those still need to go in the right spot because you don't want to be... Um, planting trees like that um, and then have to remove it within a, within a couple of years. So anyways, I'm going to take a quick break. Um, I got Judy, Al, and Steve on the line still, and I'll go through them and a few more texts. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and can go to the phone lines. I got a couple spots open if you'd like to join me, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. I'm going to go to Judy. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. Judy with the jade plant. Yes. Nice. Uh, my jade plant is three feet tall. Uh, last spring, I transplanted it into a bigger pot. Yep. And... I decided that it's getting too big, and I, I'm thinking what I, I think what I want to do, and I just want to confirm it. I want to cut off the top. It has five uh, large stalks that are yeah. an inch and bigger. Yeah. Now, if I cut them off, I understand the bottom twigs that are there will send out new 
leaves on those stalks, right? Yeah. And then I have seven smaller stalks that are also coming out from the bottom of the stalks originally, you know. So it's and it's kind of wanting to all lean one way, and they're hitting each other when you know the height of it. And but I'm a little scared to do it. Okay, what I would do is I would start less and just just shape it. So with the part that's leaning over, take those off first. Well, they all want to lean to the one side. Uh, is that towards the window, or is that... Well, it's sitting right in front of the window, and it gets southeast uh, sun, if we have sun. So is it leaning towards the window, then, or is it... Well, it, it, it'll it lean against the window, yeah. yes, even in this minus 40 yeah. that we have. So it's it's in, what you can do is spin it as well every so often. Yeah. And I, that definitely that. helps. But I would, just, I would just take a third off the top, like... I just sort of even it up, like go sort of make a round canopy on it. They they do, you can prune them very easy, and if you want to propagate those, those are probably one of the easiest plants to create a whole yeah, bunch more. Yeah, because some leaves falling down on the bottom start growing again all over. Yeah, no, I remember, like you said, when you used to do cuttings, they'd fall into the gravel and they'd root right up like nothing. Yeah. Um. So by all means... Um, I, but it will come again from the bottom stock, right? I'm not... I wouldn't go too far down because oh. it because it comes quite old. Depends how big it is and how thick. Like it creates a bark as it gets older and older as well, right? Mm -hmm. It will. So I, I it, it's just going to grow back up to that same part anyway. So you might as well just minimize, like shape it and get it into a spot. You can do more um, beneficial pruning with the smaller branches than you can taking it right down. Really? Yeah. If you. Uh, Maybe I'll just leave it until it falls over and dies on its own. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, this like I said, just take the top third off. But on some where it's a little bit longer, like just sort of pick a spot in the middle of the of the of your jade plant and go eight inches up, eight inches up, sort of in all the different directions, and, and prune them at that spot. And what do I do with all the le leftover pruning things? Start new plants? If you like, yeah. My husband would have a fit. Well, there you I go. I have 37 house plants and 400 feet. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're looking at doing some plant shares because I know that has become a really big thing with propagation. We got a whole oh, bunch of... Oh, I'm in Saskatchewan. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit of a drive, but it's <laughs> a worth it. A little drive. Yeah. All right. Thanks well, that's lot. Yeah, do yep. that. Just make some friends and yeah, there you go. Yeah, will do. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yeah, that's uh, jades are one of the fun. They're great for growing because they they really create um, good confidence. If you're looking at starting propagation, a lot of your um, succulents will do that for you. Spider plants as well, and uh, and it's it's fun when you do it, and uh, you sort of see you kind of get the itch off of that. So, anyways, I'm going to go to the phone line. We're going to chat with Steve. Good morning, Steve. Hi, how are you doing this morning? Good, yeah. good. Anyways, what uh, I was trying to ask you a question last week, and I, uh, anyways, the uh, the wife has a sage plant. Yep. And five years old. Oh, wow. And, and yeah, okay, that might have answered my question right there. She was wondering why it's all of a sudden starting to die. Um, has it been transplanted or anything? I think she transplanted it last year. Yeah, because typically, like, I'm very impressed that you've actually been able to keep a sage plant going that long, which is oh, which is great. Okay. Um, it could be just running out of, of if it's, and again, after being in a pot that long, it could be just running out of energy. So it might just need a bit of a rejuvenation as well. Well, mm -hmm. what's it doing now? Is it just kind of dry? It's dry. I even think it might be uh, beyond hope. Yeah. He's actually pulled it out and to check the roots and yeah. stuff. 
Yeah. Some of the, some of the roots about thirty percent were dry. Yeah, it, it could be just maybe the watering change a little bit. Like this again needs that good thorough watering as it gets root bound. So what you might do if you're at the point is is pull out of the pot, cut the top right off down to about an inch, shake the roots up, put it into new soil, and to see if that rejuvenates it because it might have enough root there just to grow again. And okay. you're heading at the right time of year to do that. Oh, okay. All righty, but make sure you need water though. Water it so the water comes out the bottom of the pot. Yes, she does that quite perfect, a lot. I'm, perfect. I, I think we've actually suffered from overwatering. We got those little mold uh, flies. Yeah, the something. little fungus gnats. Yeah. Yeah. Fungus yeah cut gnats, back yeah. on that. So it's just good more, not all the time, just topping it up. Is is you're better off taking it to the sink if it's once a week, every two weeks. Fill it right up, let it drain out the bottom, and then let it dry in between waterings. Okay. The other one was we haven't had much luck with uh, Saskatoon berries. Okay. We tried one, in, and we live in Brooks. Yeah. And the soil where we are is very clay. Yep. Hey, Steve, I'm just going to put you on hold, and I'm going to I got to take a break for the for the news, and then I'll get back and we'll talk about Saskatoons. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll listen. I'll I'll hang up as well. Thank okay. You. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. I got to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's lightly snowing and minus 18 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 1030. I'm Erin Foppel. Emergency officials in Calgary say a house in the city southeast was destroyed in an early morning fire that may have been caused by an explosion. Fire services spokeswoman Carol Hankey says more than 25 people called 911 to report hearing a loud bang just before 430. Several other homes suffered less serious damage, including melted siding and blown out windows. A team of investigators has been dispatched by the Transportation Safety Board to get a closer look at a train derailment in Manitoba that resulted in a leak of crude oil. Officials for Canadian National Railway say the incident happened early yesterday morning east of the Saskatchewan-Manitoba boundary with 37 cars leaving the tracks. No injuries or fires were reported. The wreck happened on the same day as a pro-pipeline rally that was just 50 kilometres away. And Iran's foreign minister is blasting the U.S. Unhealthy fixation with his country and condemning the Trump administration's efforts to press European countries to pull out of the nuclear agreement with Tehran. Speaking at the Munich Security Conference today, Mohammed Yavid Zarif told delegates that the U.S. left the agreement in hopes of regime change in his country. The U.S. withdrew unilaterally last year from the 2015 agreement, which offers Iran sanctions relief for limiting its nuclear program. And a look to local weather now. We can expect more of the white stuff today with the temperature steady near minus 18. And that wind chill will make it feel like minus 31. Mainly cloudy tonight. A chance of flurries into the evening with a low of minus 22. Wind chill near minus 30. Sunny tomorrow with a high of minus 11. With the wind chill minus 29 in the morning and minus 18 by the afternoon. But Tuesday is looking great. Increasing cloudiness with a high of minus 4. It is minus 18 degrees. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 11. I'm Aaron Foppel. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And I'm going to chat a little bit about uh, last caller, Steve, that was talking about Saskatoons. Um, one of the biggest problems I see when people plant a clump of Saskatoons is um, is getting them established. And a lot of times it's um, planting them in an area and making sure they get enough water to get them established. Because they, they do tend to um, take a fair bit of water. 
but they're one that just sort of stands there, doesn't give you a lot of feedback if it wilts or anything like that. But I would recommend that um, using bark mulch around them and making sure you give them that slow, deep watering for the first initial year or two. Just get them rooted in and get them um, going, and then that should definitely make a big difference. So anyways, I'm going to go to Al. Good morning, Al. Good morning, Merle. How can I help you? Uh, I would like to know if you have a, a rhododendron that's that works in Alberta. They're really uh, my daughter had one in in Nelson, BC, and they're popular all over BC, and people yeah. seem to really like them. Yep there there is a couple varieties. Um, the problem is that, that they come out so early. Oh yeah. Um, and they get going. So I've had them in certain gardens that I've built, and I have them coming out of the snow, and they're blooming. But they just, it, it, they take a beating though. It, it's hard on them in our in our climate because it's just, um, and and the dryness because they don't have the, the thicker bark and stuff like that. So they're quite a tender plant. Okay. So um, if you have a nice shelter location south, west, um, out of the wind somewhere where you can keep them frozen in the winter. But that's also the problem is like they said a lot of times if we have a late spring. And then yep. they, they want to come up early because their initial thing is to get going, and yep. they're coming up when we're still too cold. So they just right. they never really come to fruition okay. because that's sort of the, the detriment to them. Yeah. Um, I'm okay, just trying okay. to think some other um, things. Like I said, um, hydrangeas, some things like that that can look yeah. like that. I'm just trying yeah. to think. You're never really going to get it to come to a full like, fruition of to look like a really nice, healthy... Um, you might get a couple of two or three years out of them, um, mm-hmm. but okay. you can also do uh, follow the principle of growing the tea roses, um, where you cover them and things like that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can definitely um, do that. And there's okay. a great rose society here in Calgary. Right. Um, uh, you can get in touch with them. There's lots okay. of good free information that you can yep. chat with that group as well. And would you cut the roto down, um, no. or would you just you just prune it? I would just prune it. I would leave yep. it, okay. only prune off the any of the dead, damage, right. or disease branch. Okay. Um, but it's more of covering it up uh, and maybe even some of those styrofoam covers, the cardboard box cover method. There's yeah. a few different methods yeah, that, sure. that they use with the tea roses that you could do and then just pulling them open mm-hmm. but also watching the weather because it, it comes up um, mid-April, even a little bit earlier sometimes, and... So you have to make sure you cover it up on if we happen to get another cold snap right. after you've let it right. be exposed. What about have you got any um, pembina roses, uh, pembina plums, I should say? Yep. Uh, that are that are a decent size. I planted one last year that was basically a stick. So yeah, I have to no, wait we for actually it now. had them in uh, caliper size as well. What's that? What's caliper? Oh, sorry, caliper oh. is um, larger ones in the wire basket. Okay. Yeah. So we're the basically the only garden center. I, in, like in Calgary, that has the the larger basketed trees as well. Okay, um, okay, good. And when will the pembina plum be in then? Um, we usually get them weather permitting. The first week in May is typically when I fill up the nursery stock. Okay, great. All Thanks. right. Thank you very much. Thanks. Okay, bye bye. All right. And where are we at for time? I got a few more minutes, and. I got a couple texts I'm going to read. Hi, I was given two large canna lilies. I would like to start them off indoors. Can you please advise? Um, where are we at? We're in February. I would start them about mid-March. Um, you could definitely start them then, and that way you can get the nice big foliage 
going earlier, and then if you use them out in your pots in the summertime, you'll uh, they'll look a little bit and give you be able to give you a nice show. They're gorgeous. The only problem is the hail um, in Calgary. They do not um, survive at all with any type of hail. I know I had gorgeous cannelilies last year, just beautiful, and then we got the hailstorm went through and just shredded them. And they did come back a bit, but it, it took a bit. So. Um, again, just in a sheltered, out of, out of the way place, and or if you have a good way of method of covering in case of a hailstorm. Um, but they they make a great centerpiece for a lot of your um, outdoor pots or out in the garden. Absolutely. So uh, go from there. We're gonna go to the phone lines, and this is similar to question I think regarding the Saskatoons. Good morning, Debbie. Oh, good morning. Yeah, it is quite uh, similar to Saskatoons, isn't it? Yeah, they are. Alrighty, I've got a, a 20 by 30 patch okay. that uh, had a lot of dead wood and scrap in it, and I went in and kind of cleaned it out, and uh, it ended up being like a summer project about yeah. three years ago. And um, I'm not sure what I need to do from there. I didn't get any berries or anything the last couple of Did years, you cut and I'm out, just wondering. Yeah, you have to leave um, like the well, the new wood. Like so, when you when you clean out your raspberry patch, what you're doing is you'll see two different colors of branches. You'll sort of see a a whitish bark, which is the newer bark from last year, yes. and then the older brown bark is sort of two years old. Okay. So you only want to remove that. You only want to remove the real, the older bark. Only the older. Yeah, because then it, it, it reblooms on the second year wood. Okay. So if you're removing that, you're not going to get any blooms. So. Okay, so remove all the old stuff. Yes, because then that opens it up, gives it the energy to go to all that second year wood, and then you're good to go. Okay, because I've got lots of when I I cut them all back, I wasn't sure if to take them out or not, and I got a lot of new shoots coming out on on every plant and yeah, there's like you will get lots plants. of that cuz you have all that energy down below when you cut something back that's similar to what when we do re- rejuvenation okay and it'll just flush it right up but after you do that leave it this year and if you when you go out and look you'll see like you said you should see two different colors of bark yes and uh, just remove the older like the darker brown stuff okay all right, um, and they do like feeding. Um, fifteen thirty fifteen works really well. Fifteen, with 15 again, thirty fifteen. Fifteen thirty fifteen. Yeah, high middle number, and a soaker hose works great on raspberry hedges. You just lay it down there, soak it in, get it nice and moist, and then fertilize after that. All righty. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. If you'd like to join me after, there's a few spots. 403-974-8255 or at a town 1-800-563-7770. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I did get a text here from our friend Carolyn out in Vernon and says, Good morning, this is Carolyn from Vernon. I would like to start cuttings from a fuchsia that I have overwintered. You mentioned using the Evolve seedling starter, which I which I have. Should I also use a rooting hormone for the cuttings? Um, I would definitely use the hormone as well for the cuttings. What what the seedling and, and starter fertilizer works, it puts a little protective wall on the seedlings and for the cuttings so that you don't get any of the, um, the harmful 
bacteria and fungus that causes that root rot and uh, which will happen on geraniums and fuchsias if when they're kept too wet. So definitely use the rooting hormone and on those you can just use the number one, same as you would use on the geranium, just the softwood, the number one um, rooting hormone would work great for those. Love doing fuchsia cutting too, they, they root up really easy and so there's another one that you can do for sure. Anyways... I'm going to go to Kim. Good morning, Kim. Hey, good morning. How's your day going so far? Actually, it's going really good. Lots of great questions. Get are, me you in the... in a, are you wrapped in a, a sleeping bag, bag in your office? Almost. I'm in the I'm in the <laughs> studio, but actually they keep it nice and warm in here, so uh, it, it's actually really nice. Oh, you're probably wearing shorts then. That's uh, what almost, you're me. almost. Almost. <laughs> I have lots of questions, but I'll try to keep it simple. Um, Number one, uh, the gal with her beets and her carrot becoming hairy. Do you think that it might be because the soil is either too sweet, as the term would say, too rich in compost. Yeah, and that's sort of what I was alluding to because when she when you're planting the seed right into that compost like that, it just it's really it's just too much of a good thing all at one time, and so it really doesn't need to branch out. It just does its thing right there, and it and it it's really not doing anything. So it's not getting the deep root yeah, growth. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, I just had, thought I'd try to. Though, and that's it's what I was saying. I definitely mix up the soil, get it in there, plant them in, and uh, and because with those root crops, you, and essentially just the name, like the root crop, you need to get get into the ground. So yeah, exactly. Okay, so that was question number one. Question number two: um, Your fellow that was inquiring about the rhododendrons and pruning them down, and we talked about um, uh, this hold it a, a rose hut to put over it uh, to ensure that it's not dying off completely. Yep. Um, I have a question. If you have a south-facing house front, yep. would a rhododendron be all right for planting on the along the foundation? It, it Absolutely, it can. Um, they work good in those locations, but again, it's just keeping, if we have a real dry winter, like we even going into now before this cold snap, it was really quite dry. So sometimes if you have those foundation plantings or where they're close on the south or west side where it's quite warm, yeah. the soil becomes really dry and then those desiccate from the inside out. So it's keeping keeping it frozen, watering them in well in the fall yeah. and then and then covering them up and keep them, them frozen. And so I'd still use some sort of either the box method or the styrofoam cover. I, like I said, I, the very similar to wintering a tea rose here in Calgary would give you the same success i think with the rhododendron as well okay and i've heard some people as opposed to buying the um tea rose tents uh, the little yeah teepees um i hear of some people just taking a cardboard box filling it up with leaves and that's yep. kind of like the insulation right absolutely there. absolutely no that yeah, works yeah. just as well um same method um uh, the only thing is with cardboard box, if if it's not a wax covered, yeah, um, yeah. they tend to rot away on you. So sometimes the styrofoam cooler works good like that. Or if you have a walk, a wax covered box, definitely makes yeah. a difference. Or, or some people go to the extent. I know there's that one person who lives on Canyon Meadows Drive, just west of McLeod Trail, where he builds the walls up. He puts up the plywood and covers all his uh, oh, he goes tea to roses. The 
<laughs> yeah, but what a gorgeous show when you go by there in July because um, it's on the south-facing hillside and there's just tons of tea roses up there. It looks gorgeous. So Okay. Is, I wonder if that's the same place that also had the burgundy uh, peony that's always in full bloom with gorgeous, like almost dinner plates. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure. Awesome. Yeah, peonies okay. are beautiful as well. Yeah. Um, another question. Uh, back in the day when Ruth Stahl was working at Golden Acres yep. on the Cloud Trail South yep. there, um, she advised me, and this was in another house that I was in down in Chaparral, uh, for a variety of plum, and it had to be paired with a particular pear tree for, for, for pollination for, or I'm not sure what what the case was. Usually, it's, I don't remember it being a pear, but I would say probably um, a lot of times the sand cherry was always a good pollinator for the plums as well. Okay, okay. And and do you risk a chance of getting that virus that the cherry trees, I know, usually get can get the virus and it runs amongst the plums and the cherry the prunus, trees? It, they don't get it as much here. We're, we're fairly fortunate that the, the prunus, when you get into the cherry, they don't get that. Um, into the edible cherries. Okay, okay. The only okay, thing I've seen question. is globosa, is when okay. they sweat out the a, uh, a pus. So Okay, okay. okay. One more, that's it. <laughs> One more question um, regarding figs. I know my girlfriend, she overwinters her figs inside the place, and then she puts it out in the greenhouse for the spring-summer. Yep. Can you recommend a fig that would be hardy to be able to grow in your house? year-round? Yeah, absolutely. There's the Hardy Chicago fig. Um, we bring in a few varieties of figs that are actually outdoor figs. Okay. Um, and then there's some that you could actually grow inside. But the fig, typically that if you go ask for a houseplant, isn't an actual, it's not the fig where you're going to see actual figs on it. And is that, you're looking for an actual fig? It's something that would bear fruit. Correct? Yeah. No, and those that we bring in, the, it's called the Chicago Hardy. There's a couple other ones that we bring in. Okay. Um, so we will have those in stock in the springtime. Super duper. All We've right. Answered lots of questions. Thank you Thanks, so Kim. much. Take care. Okay, all the best. You too. Bye-bye. 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 All right. I'm going to take a quick break, and I do have a couple spots. If you like to reach me, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. Going to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I'm going to go to the phone line, and we're going to talk to Carol. Good morning, Carol. Hi. Good morning, Merle. How are you doing? Good, good. How can I help you? Okay. I have a Japanese Andromeda plant. Okay. And it's got, okay, I want to say pistol, but I don't think it's a pistol. It's a little, it's a, it's a, a, a thing that grows out of the center and it's got, when it blooms, it's got little white flowers on it. Okay. Those are turning brown and the leaves are turning brown at the tip and falling off. Is there something I'm doing to this poor little guy? Uh, um, uh, it, 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 it is, it's a lot of it is just the real dryness of the air right now as well. Oh, Okay. Because a lot of these plants um, obviously aren't from here, and sometimes no, I know. Yeah, and this one is like yeah, this one is like from Zone Seven or yeah. Whenever so I that's read sort of what it, I mean. Yeah. So a lot of it, um, they do sometimes require a little bit more um, um, humidity levels, and and especially when they're sending lots of leaves, so you will see a bit of that. 
Um, so it's it's sort of uh, it's similar to the uh, like a lily of the valley shrub is sort of what they call it in China and, and Taiwan and Japan. So okay, so we, I should spritz it. Is that what you're telling me? Well. It's either that or if you raise the humidity, you can also put a tray of rocks underneath it and just fill the tray of rocks with, with water. That definitely helps. Um, oh. Or if you have a humidifier in your house, things like that. It's just, I don't like starting to spray it because it gets it right on the leaves. And a lot of times it causes um, water spots and different things like that. And once you start spraying, you got to do it more often. But just if you just have a tray of rocks underneath and, and the pot is sitting in that, you can just fill the rocks up so it's not sitting in water. But it's just it's the humidity from the from the water in the rocks is coming up. I know because when I was reading about it, and they said that our mm. uh, the soil often it, it requires what is it magnesium or or because they suggest that by aluminum sulfate uh, mix it into a certain concentration and then apply it to the soil to help it because they need that. Yeah, and acidity. So thirty ten ten is another good one for that. Okay, good. Um, that'll that it's similar to a gardenia and uh, and other ones like that that um, like that higher acidity in the soil. Okay, rhododendrons. One yep. One last question. Okay, um, I it's in um, it's in a, a very ugly. <laughs> it's the black plastic pot, and I yep. want to I want to transplant it to a more decorative plot. Yep. Pot. Now, um, how are they happy about that? They don't like it, or no? Should I... Actually, right now, and right now is getting into be a good time to look at transplanting. Um, the only thing I'd recommend is stick with a ceramic or clay pot. Um, yeah. They they yeah. do prefer that. Um, so you'll see definitely a, a difference um, when you plant it into some nice new soil, and uh, you should be good to go. We have a super nice selection of um, pots that we've just brought in, so um, hopefully we should be able to find something for you. Good, with a tray that's big enough to put rocks in. So Absolutely, can... underneath it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Okay. But it's sort of through this time here, this is sort of our driest time, right? When we get this cold, harsh, um, it becomes really quite dry. Last few summers, we've actually been beginning to get a little bit of humidity, which is a little bit odd, but it's been very nice. Um, so give that a try. Well, actually, I'm glad about the cold because it's going to kill all those nasty bugs that are infecting our trees and shrubs. And Absolutely, things. yeah. Note the the pine beetle. Um, yeah. We need this two or three weeks of excessive minus 30. Um, it definitely, hopefully, will look after some of that because I know going into the mountain parks, it is a little bit nasty, especially when you turn right up towards Jasper. It's... Uh, I just, it really hit me coming out of Jasper. You, you don't notice it much going in because it, it's a gradual thing. But when you come out of that after spending a few days in Jasper area, seeing all the dead trees, and then when you come back down into the Lake Louise, into the Banff area, you realize, holy man, it just looks like a lush oasis again because you're out of the pine um, forest. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's amazing. Yeah, scary. The other scary thing about that is these are all standing dead trees, which are tremendous I, uh, tinder for fire. No, and in talking with the a lot of the forest rangers out there and the guys that work in the parks, a lot of it has been our own issue. We've caused a lot of this by controlling the fires too good. Yeah, and before nature, that, yeah. used to look after a lot of the cycle of these pine beetles. So, but with us looking after the forest fires so well that the the pine beetle has really become to be able to take over. And unfortunately, that's um, we've been our own worst enemy, I guess, and sometimes interfering with Mother Nature. And True. we continue to do it all the time. Like sometimes Mother Nature, we got to let it do its thing, and it, it it's a powerful thing. So 
I it think totally we, we, we get too involved. Mother Nature can evolve and look after itself, I think, for a lot of parts. Long as like we, all mothers, like all mothers, she knows best. Absolutely, just common sense, right? They like don't do some dumb, don't dump um, raw sewage into rivers, things like that. As long as we use our common sense, I think a lot of times we're going to be just fine. So I agree. All I right. agree. You have a good warm day. Thanks, Carol. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. bye. And just want to thank everybody for joining me today. It was great. Lots of great questions. Until next week, you are listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's lightly snowing and minus 18 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Aaron Foppel. Firefighters responded to a house explosion in southeast Calgary this morning. There are about 20 calls to 911 shortly before 4.30 this morning, and many of the callers reported a loud bang. When crews arrived on scene, they found one home completely engulfed in flames with fire spreading to a second home. Fire crews evacuated five in the area, bringing in two transit buses for those residents. Public Information Officer Carol Hankey says at this time they don't know if anyone was home in the primary. Because of the amount of damage that the home sustained as a result of the explosion and the subsequent fire, it was just not safe for fire crews to go inside. So they were not able to do a search of the interior. And at this point, it's still not safe to go in. So we have not been able to go in and see if there were any occupants inside the home at the time.